I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to get started here. Father, thank you uh, once again for this gift of opening your word. We can do it freely. We can do it without fear of uh, persecution. We can do it without fear of uh, arrest. Lord, help us to not take these things for granted, Lord. It is a good gift that you've given to us. It is uh, a good thing for us to do together. I pray that even though we're not going to look at anything crazy revolutionary today, that this truth and this hope of the gospel would sink into our hearts and would change us and mold us just a little more today, Lord. We know that we cannot come to Scripture and hear the Word uh, opened and read and exposited without being affected by it. So help us to turn to you, turn to the cross, and to love you more uh, from this truth that we get to explore together. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Alright, so who plays a sport in here? Cool. Uh, Basketball? Volleyball? Soccer? Swimming? uh, Cycling? Football? Baseball? Gosh, I hate baseball. Uh, Golf? Uh, What else is Tennis? Climbing, we got one for climbing, the loudest. No, all right. So here, here's the thing about here's the thing about playing sports. If you learn the fundamentals really well, uh, you, you can probably be pretty good at the sport. If you're really bad at the fundamentals, like I am with baseball, like I am with golf, like I am with so many little like of those sports. I guess maybe it's like when you swing at things. I don't know why, but I just I take my eye off the ball. I'm like, rule number one, keep your eye on the ball. And I like swing, and I'm like, ah! Uh, you know, wouldn't you believe it? I, I don't make contact. Uh, even when I golf, you know, let's, it's okay. We'll, we'll move past it. Um, I'm like Happy Gilmore. All right, now we're going to move past it. Uh, but yeah, so, so one of the things that is like essential to doing things well and to, to being like, to hold your own is fundamentals. Like I'm not a phenomenal basketball player by any means, but I know the fundamentals and I like I work really hard, like I hustle because I'm insecure. Um, and, uh, and like I can usually hold my own on a court, that sort of thing. Again, like this class is primarily about the fundamentals. This class is primarily about uh, reestablishing reaffirming, re-emphasizing these good, beautiful, life-giving truths that we know a lot and that, that we hear talked about a lot in the church, in the Christian life, but that a lot of times we're like, man, I just don't know where to find it. Like, I don't know why it's relevant. I don't know why it matters, any of this stuff. So today, we're going to talk about kind of one big concept, but there's a million different concepts within each of these. Uh, we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about what the world thinks about salvation, what they say about salvation. Uh, so that's going to that's going to include both what they say the problems are and what they say the solutions are, and then what the church, what the Word of God says the problems are and the solutions are. Um, there she is. This is the girl that was asking me all the fun facts. I thought you were skipping, so I said we're going to take away all the facts that I gave. I said they were all lies, but they were true. Anyways, uh, the, uh, the, the things that we're going to talk about today, pretty simple. We're going to talk about... I thought she was like, all right, you're... <laughs> I'm really leaving now. That was offensive. Um, Pretty simple stuff, but also like huge implications 
It's all good. Huge implications and uh, really, really essential for living the Christian life. Or even like if you aren't a Christian in this room, number one, extremely glad you're here to explore these claims, but also like to just help us understand what the Christian life even is. Um, so let's do this first. Let's talk about what does the world try and say like the big problems are in society? Like what, what do people outside of the church say the world's issues are? What, what are the things that we, uh, that we hear? Minority Okay. So let's, uh, I'll press in on that a little more. Um, discrimination. Real quick, I, I want to I go ahead and preface this too by saying that it's not that these aren't true. It's just that these are not necessarily going to be like the fundamental core issues with all of life. Right? Does that make sense? I want to make that distinction. Alright, so this, this is made, yeah, one of the end-all, be-all problems. What else? What are some other issues that we're facing right now? Okay. I'm just going to put politics because that. Climate change. <laughs> I'm just going to lump that into politics. <laughs> Hunger. Hunger? Okay. And we could get like really analytical and be like, Hunger for community. Uh, so hunger, you know, take that as you, as you see fit. What's up right here? Poverty. Poverty. Yep. Or we can do any sort of uh, socioeconomics. But shoot, shoot me straight, like. Racism and sexism. Yeah, absolutely. All, I'm just gonna put isms. Um, but like, like, be real with me real quick. Is this stuff that you guys actually talk about and think about day to day, like in your high schools? It is kind of, kind of veiled, maybe. What, what about like the practical day to day stuff? Like, what do people think the big issues are in high school right now? Money. Money. Gosh, isn't it number like when I was in high school, I pretty much never thought about money. But it's it has become like even that much more of a deal that like freshman year you're already forced to think about like well what are you gonna do with your future like how are you gonna make enough money to be happy because money buys you joy like yeah money what else what else do y'all think about what else do y'all talk about what else do you hear about if you want to like throw your friend under the bus relationships relationships ooh and then there's one right here what are you gonna say yeah violence. Can I put our ships here? Because I just don't want to write the whole word out. One more? Uh, college? Yeah, college. Future. Future. Yeah. Yep. Future. Big exclamation point. How many times, like, unfortunately, I do this too. There's so many times where, like, the first thing people ask you, especially if you're a junior or senior, they're like, all right, well, what are you going to do with your life? Like, tell me your 28-year plan, and it better not change from this point forward. Like, this thing right here is, such, is made such a big deal, but uh, you probably won't know. Like, you're going to be graduating from college, and you're going to think, I got no idea what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, for some people, like, that's totally okay. Um, all right, so what now... Do we think uh, 
they would say are the solutions to all of this? Money. Yeah. <laughs> money. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with money is money. money. Yeah, sure, money. But you know, honestly, like, yeah, a lot of these things, everyone thinks, okay, well, if we just have the money that we need, then we can get rid of these tensions, we can get rid of these tensions, we can get rid of these tensions, we can equalize and neutralize these tensions. What else? Love. Love. Yeah, that, that's a big one. Um, that's always going to be mentioned, but it's always, in my mind at least, if there's no context and there's no explanation, I think of it like this. Love. What else? Equality. Equality. And again, this is, a, this is another quotation one to me. Because no one really like can tell us what this means or why we need it. Like, huge sidebar. Without understanding and believing and clinging to the Imago Dei, like the fact that humans are made in the image of God, there is no ground for equality. That's it. Oh, so like this is more of a high school one, but like friends and trauma and who's doing what? Kind of yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sure. Uh, inclusion. Is that good? Yeah, good? Inclusion, inclusive language, uh, like tolerance is a big thing, right? Yeah. All right. So like these problems are kind of the big things that we're confronted with day to day. These answers are the big things that we're offered day to day. Like the big things that people say like, hey, this is what you need to focus all your time, your money, your attention towards. Like this is the stuff that really matters is that uh, you include everyone in everything that you've ever done. Like is that uh, you make enough money, this is just kind of unfortunately like problem and solution, ironic, uh, that you make enough money to like help solve all these things. But that you also make enough money to like make yourself happy and, uh, and you know, make sure that you can do fun things so that you can build friendships. Again, like these things are not, 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 not inherently bad, obviously. But when we make these solutions especially, the main issues like the main takeaways, the main priorities in life, we're going to be skewing what life is really about, what God has really called us to, what, what truth really is, what reality really is, what the fundamentals really are. Alright, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to introduce, uh, this is kind of a, a lump sum passage that hits both of these things that I put right here, uh, salvation and new creation. So it's going to talk a little bit about both those things. We're going to move into what the Word says, what the big problems are, and what the Word says the big solutions are, and what the future looks like for us. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, what did I have, 16 to 21. This is the reading of God's Word. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because of all these things, the implication of all these things, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you, we ask you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Alright, so let's do real big Sunday school answers. Uh, What does Scripture say the biggest problem is? You can shout it out. Sure. And I'm just going to put uh, non-belief, unbelief, sin. sin. Anything else we can think of off the top of our head? We need to be reconciled. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're enemies. The implications of these things is that we're we're enemies with God. Again, that's what we've been hearing about this whole week. Alright, what does Scripture say? I'm going to do it a little further down. What does Scripture say was God's given solution for all these problems in this passage? Reconciliation. Reconciliation through... Jesus. Jesus. Yep. Is there like a worse invention than the easel? Like, it's the most unstable thing in the in the world. Reconciliation through Jesus. How does it say that that was accomplished? By Jesus becoming sin for us, right? Takes our sin. And then, what does it say about our, our new reality? What does it say about our life as new creations? How are we to live this out? Verse 20. We are ambassadors of Christ. Cool. Alright, let's uh, we can go ahead and move on to the next passage here. Um, all these things right here give us this idea that the big problem has nothing to do with like us inherently, that like humans are okay, people are like generically good. And it also says that the big solution is uh, kind of like we talked about yesterday, like find your own way up the mountain. Right? Like that everything, uh, like all things being equal. There's really no difference in religions. There's really no difference in philosophies. There's really no difference in any of these things. That's what the world wants us to believe, that like there isn't just one way. And uh, I'm going to read John 14. We touched on this yesterday. But I'm going to read John 14, and let's see if, uh, if that's what Scripture teaches us as well. 
John 14, 6 through 7. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. What does Jesus have to say about these ideas? Totally discredits them. Totally says, "Look, I, I get the fact that like you're you're having you're getting this pressure put on you to just like you know find your own way and like establish your own path and you know make your own destiny and control your future and all that stuff." But Jesus says, "Look, the ultimate problem is that you're you're dead in your transgressions, and the ultimate solution is me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." The only way we know the Father, the only way we're reconciled to the Father is through Jesus Christ. We talked about that a lot yesterday. Um, Why does that matter? Why does this verse matter? It's an exclusive claim. Okay. Does this verse give any room for us to earn our own salvation? No. Can someone read the Ephesians 2 passage for us? Can I get a hand to, to read that? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Does that sound like all of these things? Does that sound like, uh, for it is by money that we have been saved through our jobs, and this is because you had a good resume that you had to earn by working hard in school? Like that is a, if we were to do like a one-to-one replacement of what you're being told and taught right now, that would like be the verse. Like the, the, the free gift of a nine to five job with benefits is eternal life. Like the, the free gift of perfect relationships that never have any tension and that uh, you always feel 100% comfortable in, that is the gift of God. Like the, these are the narratives that you are hearing. And then that verse that we just read is the reality that we live in as Christians. So instead of being enemies with God, instead of non-belief, we believe and are reconciled by grace through faith.
This is going to have huge implications that we'll talk about in, in just a minute. At the very end of this passage, it talks about uh, being God's handiwork, right? Being ambassadors for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. Will someone read the, uh, the passage from Titus 2? Titus 2, 11 to 14. Uh, someone, can they get that for me? Okay, Sweet. Jeff, thanks, man. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Alright, so what does it say? What 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 does looking like air? What does living like ambassadors look like? What are some of the language that he used in there? Zealous for good works. Zealous for good work. Who said that? Boom. Yeah. Okay, zealous for good works. Do we wake up in the morning and think to ourselves? And I, I'm saying a fully inclusive we here because I don't do this at all. Do we wake up in the morning and think to ourselves like, man, I can't wait to go out there and do some good works. Like I cannot wait to go out there and serve someone. I can't wait to go out there and submit to God's authority when it comes to my identity, when it comes to my comfort, when it comes to my relationships. This is a huge, like, this is a huge deal. Uh, This confronts us, this confronts me today, like in this moment. This is a huge deal. Being zealous for good works above being zealous for status. Um, so I had this talk with some of the interns earlier this summer. Again, none of this is meant to like guilt trip anyone. But I, I asked them, like, what do we actually get? Like, what, what are we receiving from our social media? Like, what is anything giving us life from our social media? I believe, let me say, I believe that you genuinely can receive good things from social media. I'm not condemning social media right now. But I was asking them, like, can you explain to me, just because for me, like, it's not a super healthy thing. Uh, For me, it inherently makes me, like, want to post stuff that's only going to give me status. Like, that's only going to, like, I am zealous for man's approval on social media. Uh, I am completely like covetous when someone else posts a sweet picture of like a vacation that they went on and like a cliff that they jumped off of in the Amalfi Coast or whatever it is. Like, it's not an inherently healthy thing for me. Um, and I think what happens there in my heart, again, I'll use me language instead of y'all language. I think what happens is like I'm actually trying to solve my problems that I think I have with solutions of like of likes like solutions of like popularity and that sort of thing um, I'm not saying inherently that that's what y'all are doing but for me like I know that when I trade my status when I trade uh, all of this good gospel content for 
what the world wants me to think is like, look, if enough people like your picture, then you're good in God's eyes. Like, if enough people think that what you're doing is cooler than what they're doing, then you're good in God's eyes. I used to tell my students all the time at UGA that uh, I would just be like, y'all, I'll just shoot you straight. Here's my heart. It's really ugly. You want to know what I want uh, people to think about me? So I want... (laughs) Every time I would say this, they'd be like, dude, you're the worst. And I'm like, I know. Um, I want for people to look at me and think to themselves... Uh, he is casually better at everything that I do, but he doesn't think he's better at it, but I know that he's better at it. Like, I want to be better at everything that every one of you in the room does, but I want to act like I don't think that I'm good at it, and then for you to be like, man, he's, he's better, but he doesn't even think that he's better. And all my students would be like, that's awful. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm just telling you, like, this is where I am in life. Um, that's how like, my mindset initially works. Um, I always say just like, yeah, just casually better than everyone. Um, that's what my heart wants. Um, see, like some of the older people laughing and they're like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a terrible human. Uh, and praise be to God for, for saving me from that, for redeeming me from that. Um, all right, so let's do this real quick. First uh, Timothy. I know I kind of am skipping around in the in the verses here. Actually, I'll just read First Timothy uh, one, and then we'll get a little bit more into like specifically the implications, what this looks like in our lives, uh, how it works itself out. First Timothy one. I'm actually going to start verse thirteen. Uh, This is Paul saying, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. He's talking about why, or like, how Christ has saved him. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Why are we saved? For what purpose are we saved? And I know this is already here, but like, use the language that Paul just used. What does he say? To make Jesus look good. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that like the worst? Like when we hear that, we want the answer to like, why are we saved and like, why are we here to be like, so that I can look awesome. Uh, No, but like, Christ came and redeemed us, although we were insolent, although we were opponents, not so that we can feel good about ourselves, but so that He can be glorified. Richie Sessions was our speaker in Colorado, and he put this really well. Um, He said that uh, the way to boast in our weaknesses, the way that we boast in Christ, the way that we bring glory to God through our sin is by saying, like, yes, I'm a sinner. Like, yes, I am prideful. Yes, I am insecure. Yes, I am selfish. I'm greedy. 
Uh, I am filled with just like anger. Uh, I, I am born and raised in a culture that puts people down or that, uh, you know, oppresses certain people. Like, say, that is me. Like, that is who I am. And then to say, that sin needs saving, needs redeeming, needs to be paid for. And I can't do it myself, but Jesus came and did it. This exclusive claim. Glory be to God because He's the one that paid for it. He's the one that redeemed it. He's the one who renews and restores me. And I thought that was a really, really good, just a very practical, very honest, very raw way of thinking about it. Um, A lot of times we hear that verse like, I will boast all the more in my weaknesses, right? And I don't really know what that means a lot of times because like, I'm terrified of my weaknesses. Um, But just the way that he put it, like, look, own it, call it what it is, and tell people how it's been paid for and bring glory to God. Alright, so we are made ambassadors of Christ by grace through faith only through Jesus Christ and the work that He has accomplished for us. By being associated with Christ, by being identified with the same things as Jesus Christ, we are united to Him in His life, death, resurrection. Uh, We now receive the exact same status. We are new creations in Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to give you an illustration of what this looked like uh, one time in my life. Uh, It's, again, like all illustrations break down, but this is one that I I really like and I think it's kind of fun. Um, If you were in my class last year, sorry, I'm going to use the same illustration, but there's this concept called uh, union with Christ, right? And virtually what we mean by that, like the Christianese speak, means that we are identified and associated directly with Christ. That when God looks at us, He does not see the status of the chief of sinners. He does not see the status of the oppressor, of the racist, of the greedy person. He sees a person who's covered by and identified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Alright, so when I was in college, I was, uh, Kurt said I was the mascot for a couple years. And here's the thing about being Harry Dog. Harry Dog is so confident. Like, Harry Dog has this, like, sort of swagger. Harry Dog doesn't have to, like, ask permission for anything. He doesn't have to, like, you know, go try and work his way into things. Like, he has this status that is just completely, like, beyond this world. Harry Dog can walk up to famous people who other people are standing in line to, and Harry's like, all right, well, I'm going to bypass all them. I'm going to go up to, you know, John Smoltz. Like, I'm going to put him in a headlock, and I'm going to, like, give him a noogie or something. And people are like, oh, that's hysterical. And everyone else is in line, like, taking videos of Harry Dog. Like, man, that's so funny. The only reason he can do that is because he has status. His identity is so secure. His identity, like, that's Harry. And in, in Athens, that's like, I don't know, it's like Michael the Arch- Archangel or whatever. Um, Harry Dog has his own little aura. Uh, the Holy of Holies for the University of Georgia is Sanford Stadium, and specifically uh, what is now called Dooley Field, fun fact, um, is like the field at Sanford Stadium, right? So like people pay 
money to come onto the field and to walk on the grass and to like be between the hedges before games. And they're like, oh my goodness, like this is new creation. Um, but like what Harry does, he just gets it. Like the security guards see Harry from far away and they like part the Red Sea so that Harry Dog can come through and get onto the field because he belongs there. Like that's his place. So from far away, security's like, all right, you guys, like, move out of the way. Harry Dog's got to come on. And Harry just kind of walks up. He's like, yeah, that's right. Like, I get this because I'm Harry, and I get whatever I want. Um, so Harry just walks onto the field. They open the fence for him. They give him fist bumps. They're like, cool, we're so glad you're here. One game, uh, so we do, like, different halves. One game, I was in Harry Dog first half, and in the second half, uh, I wasn't. So when you get out of the suit, you are no longer hairy dog. Like you're just a really sweaty, smelly, dirty college boy who is just like everyone else and has no status. Like Joel May, no one cares about Joel May when it comes to the sidelines. Everyone cares about hairy dog. So I get out of suit second half and I realize that they didn't give us an extra sideline pass that Joel has to use to get back onto the field. So I'm like, oh man, like I don't have a ticket. I gotta get back onto the field. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna go with Harry. So security sees him coming in for the second half. Everyone move out of the way, yada yada yada, Harry Dog's coming. They come in, go, oh Harry Dog, what's up? Good to see you. And then I am like, yeah, I'm just gonna sneak in. And they go, hold up, like, where's your where's your sideline pass? Like who are you? And Harry Dog, this is what he does. Harry Dog steps back, he looks at me, he puts his arm around me, and I stand there and I put my arm around Harry and I go, I'm with Harry Dog. And they say, Come on in. <laughs> and like just like that, by being identified and associated with Harry, I then received all the status. All the recognition, all the identity, all of that that Harry Dog had, I now had. Because my name was not just Joel May. It was like my name was like that guy that's covered by Harry Dog. Like that guy that is associated with Harry Dog. That's the sort of status that we're given by grace through faith, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and our reconciliation with God. That's the sort of status that we've been given. We are fundamentally new creations. We are not just who we are right now today as an insecure 26-year-old. Like We are not just who you are right now today as a 15-year-old who just failed that class last semester. Like As that person who didn't make that team that you really wanted to make. Or as that person who didn't get invited to that party that you really wanted to get invited to. We are now covered by and identified with the exact same status as Jesus Christ through His blood, through His reconciliation. That's a huge deal. And here's the thing is that if we live this out in our day-to-day life, if we live this out in our schools, like people are going to think that we're weird. Jesus says that if the world hates me, they're going to hate you too. He talks about following Him, like taking up your cross and following Him. It's not just going to be this like 
popularity contest where you're like, oh yeah, I'm awesome and I'm also a Christian. Like, but don't tell anyone. Like, Jesus says that following Him, being zealous for good works, running from lawlessness, fleeing from idolatry, not giving in to the world's expectations and pressures that they put on you to take control of your sexuality, to take control of whether you drink or don't drink underage, to take control of whether weed is good or bad, to take control of if you should follow the speed limit, whatever it is. Like When you don't submit to this, you're going to be ostracized. When you don't submit to this, people are going to be like, man, that guy's a weirdo. That girl is a weirdo. But the hope that we have... We're told about it all throughout, all throughout Scripture, but especially in Revelation. We, we even sung about it yesterday and today. The hope that we have is an ultimately restored, renewed, reconciled new creation. Like, we have to believe that this life is not the only thing that we're being offered. We have to believe that, like, life goes on and there is an eternal reality that we're going to live in. And it's called new creation. We experience little tastes of new creation right now. There's an overlap. It's called the overlap of the ages. There are little glimpses of eternity that we get. Little glimpses of heaven that we get right now. But someday when Jesus comes back, it's going to be fully realized. And ultimately, all things are going to be made new. So while right now it may seem like we're going to be facing so many trials, so many barriers, so many obstacles, Jesus says, take heart for I have overcome the world. I've already overcome the world. That's the good news that I hope we got a little bit of this week. Uh, These are just some little passages, some tools, some helps to lay a foundation to utilize in your own life, in your own uh, understanding of the Christian life, and in your own Christian walk. Um, I hope this has been helpful. Um, I'm going to pray, and then I'd love to take any questions that you might have. I'd love to answer questions. If I don't know the answer, I'll just say I don't know. Um, But if you have questions about anything, college, uh, what my wife's name is, why any of this stuff matters, how it plays out. I'd love to hear that, and then I'll dismiss you all in just a couple minutes. Father, once again, uh, You are good. You are gracious. You are kind to us for giving us this truth, for giving us the Gospel, for giving us Your Son, for giving us Your Spirit, to make us into new creations, Lord. Help us to taste that reality today. Help us to embrace that reality in our day-to-day walk, Lord, so that we know that even when... Uh, We are being put down and rejected for the sake of our beliefs, for the sake of our hope that we have a way more secure, a way more solid, a way more real, way more ultimate hope. That is new creation and restoration. Pray that that would sink into our hearts and it would mold us and shape us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Real quick, I'm going to do a couple minutes of question time. Uh, Does anyone have questions about anything that we went over this week? Does anyone have questions about anything? <laughs> about when lunch is? What's up? What would you care about, favorite thing about being in the Georgia mascot? Uh, I mean, you could literally, like, you could do whatever you wanted. <laughs> Harry Dog can do no wrong. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was just like one of those things where you just had, you just sort of had status inherently. Like once you put on that suit, you become a different person. Um, so like, like one of my first games, this is actually kind of funny. One of my first games, uh, I think it was against South Carolina, first home games. Um, I was like, I, I love being in the student section as Harry Dog because it's just a lot of fun. So I go to the student section and I like stand on the big, we have this big concrete wall right in front of them. And I'm like standing on the wall and going crazy and we're on defense and all this stuff. And um, during the timeout, one of the timeouts, this is like right when Turn Down for What had just come out before Tennessee ruined it for everyone. Uh, right, right when Turn Down for What came out. And. Um, when I get really excited, I dance a little too hard. Uh, so turn down for what comes on, and I'm in Harry, and like no one knows who it is under there, so I'm like, total immunity, right? And so I just start going crazy, like, yeah, and probably doing a little bit of stuff that maybe I shouldn't have been doing. Anyways, probably like 30 seconds or so, and then like I think I'm like this low, and then I look up to the screen like the Jumbotron, and, and it's just me up there, <laughs> dancing to turn down for what, and I'm like, yeah, oh, and then, uh, and then I look, and I'm just like, <laughs> and I look at the sideline, and like, all of the cheerleaders are dying laughing, and then my coach over there on the side, he's just standing there, and he's just like, down. Uh, apparently we got an email about that from a donor that was like, uh, excuse me, like Harry Dog should not have been shaking his hips and like all that stuff. Uh, that was a really funny moment. It's always fun to like crowd surf. You like reverse crowd surf up the stands instead of like down the stands. You almost fall so many times, but that's a good time. Um, and then you get to meet a lot of like random people. Uh, yeah. Great question. Glad that's what you took from this. No, I'm just kidding. Anything else? My wife's name is Maddie, in case y'all were wondering. Cool. Hey, thank y'all for being here. I had a lot of fun, uh, and I got a lot out of your interactions. So this was a good thing for me to do. I appreciate y'all being here.